Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about getting to know each other? Ooh, 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 I love this game. Ready? Okay, never have I ever. No, 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 definitely not that. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host, full of anxiety and control issues, Phil. And I'm your other host, who is apparently supposed to be opposite of that somehow, but no, I'm not. You can just, no, you can pretty much just say you I'm are too. I'm just that. I'm your other host, who is also that, Senda. <laughs> See, we're getting to know each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. What's our topic for tonight? So for tonight's topic, GM Gerrymander asked us on email, how do you deal with a bunch of characters who may not know each other or even like each other? Ah, yes. The classic trope of the party that does not know each other. Uh, how do you bring them together? How do you establish some sort of connections between them? How do you get them from a group of strangers into a productive group that can actually move through a uh, through a game? Yeah. So tonight we're going to look at this really common trope when you you know when you engage it and don't do the thing where you just plan it out beforehand. And we're going to talk about how to actually make it work at the table. So in order to do that, Phil, is there anything we need to know before we get started? Yeah, so there's no real definitions for tonight's talk, but for the sake of clarity, what Jerry is asking about is running a one-shot or starting a campaign where none of the characters know each other and are brought together or come together for some activity and then decide to remain together uh, in the case of a campaign, right? So in the case of a one-shot, it doesn't really matter if they stay together. doesn't matter. But in a campaign, if you're trying to kick off your campaign, then like the assumption is that they'll stay together afterwards. Yep. Okay. So with that understanding, there are a few tropes we should talk about. Um, I consulted TV tropes. Good. Um, well done. And, and found a few tropes that um, I will mention here. If you are super curious, you can look them up in uh, more detail on the TV Tropes website. And you can just put the name of these tropes right in. So the first one is you all meet in a tavern. Yeah, we all know this one. This is the granddaddy uh, of, of this trope, right? And it's still the most overused one or the most cliche one that people use in RPGs, right? So a group of heroes all winds up in an inn at the same time where they happen to meet each other and find out about a quest. Right. Usually there's someone in a corner and a dark cloak involved. Right. How they get there yeah. and, and how, like, all of that is, like, all of that is to be determined. But the end result of, of, of that trope is exactly that, right? Like, they are all in the inn and about to get their job. Mission, right. I mean, quest, whatever. Dragonlance. Yeah, Dragonlance is an interesting exception because they actually all knew each other. Some they were of them all coming but they were all coming back after five years. Some of them did. Oh, correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. The bulk of them all knew each other. Yeah. And then Gold Moon and Riverwind and then show they up. Tossed a couple more people in and then they were like, okay, run out of the burning. Yes. End. And then that actually that's a good point, right? So mm-hmm. and let me okay. 
So let's just step out of the the script for a second. <laughs> I ruined so, the script. <laughs> no, what's interesting about this is that the the common trope is that no one knows anyone else, yeah. um, but that isn't necessarily that doesn't have to be a hundred percent true, right? People can know each other. In the case of in the case of Dragonlance, the original heroes had all gone their separate ways for a couple of years and had come back. So Caraman, Raslin, uh, Tasselhoff, Flint, um, Tannis, Tannis, were all mm-hmm. together. Yep. And then Goldmoon and Riverwind are together. Yeah, and they show up. Right, and they show up and then push together circumstances and on their way. It still fulfills the trope, even though yes. they weren't complete strangers. So yep. um, I, I said complete strangers before, but understand that there's some flexibility in that. Right, okay. whenever you just need to introduce people to each other. Exactly. Okay, the next trope is, which is related to this one, is you all meet in a cell. Yeah, so this is similar to the previous one, but instead of meeting in an inn voluntarily, the players are all in jail of some sort, or imprisoned, and they need to escape and then start their quest. Yes. There are some examples of this. Um, The Usual Suspects, which is one of my all-time favorite crime movies ever, Yep, has uh, you all meet in a cell. Yeah. no, I mean, Lady Blackbird, if you just want to talk about RPGs. Lady Blackbird absolutely Gosh, does. I'll just I'll just plug this. Somewhere running around on YouTube is a really great playthrough of Lady Blackbird that we did with Rich Rogers. Oak Lord, yep. Yes. The Orc Lord, yes. And uh, it was very good. So yeah, yeah. So y'all should go watch that. <laughs> oh, it, it, and Rich has run... Lady so Blackbird, many. like a hundred times. So I mean, many not even. I'm not even exaggerating that. Like literally, almost a hundred times. So Rich's ability to run Lady Blackbird is flawless. It is flawless, and yes. he told us it was the most romantic one he'd ever run. <laughs> Making heart symbols. Okay, <laughs> Scum and Villainy also has a starting adventure where, in the third book, the one that's patterned after Star Wars, you actually all start in jail and yeah. have to break out. So, so well, you meet in a cell, pretty common trope. Yep. Uh, the last one is a little more obscure. It's called Closed Circle. Mm-hmm. So this is one where like circumstances are causing the characters to be isolated together, right? So like no one can come in from the outside and no one leaves the area. This is kind of a, it's a horror movie kind of trope, but like um, I ended up playing a protocol game that I can't remember the name of now where, you know, you, you all get to the cabin right as the winter storm hits and then no one can leave because it's such a huge blizzard outside that, you know, you can't make it to the next safe house. That is the best example of a closed circle. Yes, right? Yep, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so cool. No matter how you do it, right, the result is the same. A collection of individuals or small groups of individuals yep. um, that are in the same space and must get to know each other while at the same time working on the quest slash mission. Yes. So tonight, we are going to take on the player and GM roles for looking at this issue. Uh, I'm actually going to go first tonight. I'm going to talk about how to GM bringing a group of strangers together. Yep. And then I'm going to talk about how, as a player, you can make this fun and productive. Cool. So as a GM, this is a, while it is, while it is very cliched, it is a perfectly valid story tool (laughs) um, that you can use to get your game started. It just is, right? So it, don't shy from it because it's cliche. It just is cliche, but people know how it works. Yes. Okay. There is actually a bit of structure to this trope. And so to get it right, you're going to want to highlight a few things. But first, let's break apart the structure and look at each of the individual beats inside the structure. So 
it starts with some individual spotlight time. Yeah. So this is where we get to learn a little something about the character before they kind of become part of the group. They just get a moment to, to you know, basically have self-description and some kind of action. Right. Then there's an impetus to come together. Yeah. So that's something causes all of the individual characters to go to one place. So whether that's a snowstorm and now you've all made it to the cabin or whether that's, you know... Um, you are at the same inn because you were all looking for some place to spend the night, you know, whatever. Right. Now, an important note here, which I did not put in the notes, is um, the impetus does not have to be the same for everyone. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Sorry, the case of Dragonlance, yeah. the original heroes all meet in the tavern because they're all coming back together as they promised. Yep. But Riverwind and Goldmoon... They're not part of that. <laughs> but I believe their impetus is they were sent there, right? To look for them? I, I don't, don't think I, so. I oh, think somebody's going to cor- correct us on this. It's, so. it's, okay, it's been a long time. Yes. But they ended up there. I think that they actually ended up there by sheer chance because they were traveling away with the staff. They right. were on the run. I have, I, I have a feeling that maybe in the larger sc- scope of things, maybe it wasn't really chance. But you know what? It's been in the eons itself. since I've read it. Yeah, right. I can't remember. But even if it was just <laughs> to shelter themselves and get a bite to eat, that is a different impetus, right? So yes. one group walks in because um, they're cold and tired. Um, the other group has met up after a promise for, I think it was like five years or something or a year or whatever, that to yep. come back yeah. and report to each other. Okay. All right. So that's the impetus. Then there's the meeting. Right. So this is where the characters actually meet one another. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> um, then the mission. Right. So now the characters find out what objective or goal they need to achieve. So if we think about Dragonlance for the parts that Phil and I apparently remember after all of this time, I don't remember. Something terrible happens and they all have to run and Ian is like on fire. So like... Cool. Well, because I, I believe I believe somebody it, comes in looking for looking for the staff. Correct. Yeah. And then they have. So to now get, they have an objective, which is that like they need to protect Goldmoon. Yes. I, I will argue that that is not really the mission, right? Like that okay, is that's fair. That's the meeting. The mission okay. is what happens later when they kind of collect themselves and decide to go off. That, that's what they're going to do, and they're going to go take care of it as a group. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. The I, mission I is usually. That. The mission is usually the thing you're going to do for the rest of the adventure. Yeah, that's fair. Right? So the meeting can have an action scene, or the meeting can just be dialogue. In this case, the meeting was action and a chase. Yeah, which is kind of a weird way to do it, because sometimes you get, at the table, you get um, really uncomfortable, awkward dialogue when people don't know each other. You know what's awesome is when we pick a piece of media that neither one of us as members <laughs> and then we try to and pick just it start apart. talking about it. You know, like we have absolutely a complete mastery of this. We will get picked apart on Twitter on this, and I don't I know. even care. It's oh okay. oh here, it's right up here. You want me to grab it? No, no, I have <laughs> I, I have it. it in I have it in hardcover. No, no, signed no, no, by I Margaret know. as well. I know, but it's right up here. No, no, we don't have, have time for you. I have Jeez. the I have the whole trilogy signed. Oh, is it the pretty one with the annotations in the margins? No, no, it's just a hardcover one with okay. nice like with a nice jackets. But I had Margaret sign all of them. My son has them. Oh. Anyway, Moving so right we along. talked about the mission. <laughs> yes. So we talked. So we talked about the mission, right? The mission is the thing that like everybody like that needs to get done. Yep. And then the group departs for the mission. Whatever right. the next stop is on the mission. 
Right. Or they, 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 the first they, stop, I should say. They, they start taking collective action on the objective, I will say. Because there are instances, if we talk about like that circle one, yeah. where like you can't actually physically leave to the next like spot. Yeah, but like it, you, you come to a conclusion about what the next thing you're going to do is. And usually that involves going to another place. Yeah. So maybe the better way to put this is the group advances the yeah, story. They advance the story to the next yes. objective. Like they figure yep. out the thing and work on it. Yeah. Okay. So now understanding that, right? Individual spotlight time, impetus to come together, the meeting, the mission, and advancing the story, right? Understanding that structure. Here are some tips as a GM for how to make this little framework work best, right? So the first one we'll start with is creating the individual scenes and beats. Right, so you want to highlight something cool or iconic about the character, right? So you want to display their competency or what their trouble is. And this is when the other players start to get to learn about that character at the player level so that they can get an idea of how their character is going to interact with that character at the character level. Yep. The next thing is figure out what brings them together. Yeah, you can ad-lib a lot of this structure, but this is one place where a little bit of prep will help. And that is, what is the thing that's going to force them to all actually come together, right? So has a patron arranged for them to come by like giving them mysterious invitations or like the shuttle flights have been canceled to the space station. So they're all just stuck on the space station. Or is it a like, you meet in my office right now, you're all my worst detectives and you're going on this mission together, <laughs> whatever it is, right? So you're, you're using a well-known trope and it's going to be hard to be super original about it. So it's okay, just lean into it and don't worry about it too much. Yeah, exactly. All right, so then, now that you've pushed them into one space, give them a little time to meet. Yeah, so n now they're together, you need to create some time for them to actually use that knowledge you gave them by giving everybody glimpses of those characters so that they can actually interact and get to know each other. But you, you may not be able to do it for too long, especially if you're in a one-shot, because you're early in the story and you kind of also need to get the story going, but you don't want them to be strangers for too long because it will prevent them from being super productive in terms of making the story go forward, right? So during this time, you can ask questions to prompt reactions from the players. I and mean, that would be things like, um, you know, as, as you sit there in your polished armor, you see the, the barbarian covered in furs and leather, like, what kind of person do you think they are? And like, how are you reacting to them? Yeah, those kind of questions just to kind of push answers. Yeah. Just kind of get things like chattery. And again, it'll get a little from a player uh, to player thing. Like if the if the paladin's like, oh, I'm totally snobbish towards the uh, the barbarian, right? And the barbarian player could be like, cool, I'm totally going to play into it. I'm just going to be like really um, disgusting and, you know, chew with my mouth open, whatever, whatever, right? And like instantly Actually, that's starting to create that. A relationship. But I, but I like it, it can be even more interesting if the barbarian's like, um, actually, I'm like super well read. So even though he's yeah. looking at me like this, like he's like looking at me with down his nose and I just, you know, reach into my bag and open up one of my, you know, favorite academic books and just start reading it. <laughs> like Right. So they totally can subvert the trope as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Either way, right. you're going to start building some sort of reactionary relationship. Exactly. All right. So the next one is deliver the mission quickly. Right. Get to the monkey. Get to the monkey. Just get get to the monkey. Give them the mission. So this is only as interesting as it needs to be to get the game started. Just give them something that they can latch into. 
boink. So the really interesting part is the part before it where they're kind of getting to know each other. So this is should be kind of short, simple, and give them the first step into what they need to do so that they can just get to it and keep developing those relationships. Right. What you, what you want to avoid here is that you really want to create time for the players to get to know like for the characters to get to know each other. What you don't want to do here is jam in 20 minutes of your elaborate NPC expounding upon the mission details and all this information and acting it out and putting on a hat and all this stuff, right? Because that's not the interesting part of they all, like they meet in a tavern, right? What What they need is there's a dragon down in that cave and it's got an artifact that's going to open a rift to a terrible place. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> go. Three, two, one, stop it. Make it right. stop. Right. So I, I I say that because sometimes GMs get kind of caught up in doing like really elaborate openings. And one, I'm not a big fan of doing elaborate openings to begin with because I want to get into the story. But two, it is definitely not the right thing in this structure because you really want, um, if you're going to spend time having interactions you want to push those interactions to the players connecting with player the characters connecting with characters yes okay so then last thing get that story moving yeah as soon as they have the mission just get it underway right they have a whole adventure to undertake and that entire adventure is now a a a storyline along which they get to continue to explore the relationships that they're starting to build right which to me is the interesting part and this is where aggressive scene framing can really work, right? Yeah, because it's like after point. you get the mission, just bam, cut the scene. Put them on like, the put them on and the And you're mission. in the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> we don't care how you got there. Like unless right. there's something really. The trip interesting to the dungeon was uneventful, blah blah blah. Boom, you're at the dungeon. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So after the introduction, there are a few more things you need to do during the course of the adventure. The first one is you need to create more moments for them to get to know each other. Right. So this is like a discovery beat, right? That you can insert into your game at different times so that the characters just have chances to further develop their understanding of each other. And this is a point where I will just say, depending on the players at your table, these are the kind of things that your players will either leap at and even create their own, right? Or this is the kind of thing where you may have to set them up and then ask leading questions, right? It just depends on how into it they're going to you know, go. Yeah, so like dropping one of these beats in between a couple of encounters, mm-hmm. like a point where they're laying low or maybe they're right before they're going to take a rest, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, cool. The other one is, uh, as a GM, is watch for pairings and clusters of friends. Yeah, so eventually the group is probably going to organize into smaller clusters of like two or more characters just based on which characters get along better um, or who has you know similar motives or whatever it is. And you can use those kind of little groups for dramatic effect by putting a member of a cluster in danger in order to spur the other members into drama and action, right? So you can start using the relationships against them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like <laughs> Not, you want to, you, nicely the, the point of, right. The point of this is to kind of suss this out, right? Like watch, like maybe the barbarian and paladin, like when the, when the barbarian takes out, you know, his learned tome, the paladin like gives him a nod and they wind up striking a conversation about literature. Yeah. I right. mean, they're discussing good, who to read next, right? Yeah. And maybe like the thief wants nothing to do with that. So the thief goes and, you know, talks to the sorcerer. Yeah. Right. So now you have like a little pairing going on. And so just keep track of those. Yeah. Okay. And then at the end of your adventure, 
um, especially if this is a one shot, leave room for an epilogue. Yeah, which is like not as important for a campaign necessarily because you have many more sessions to explore this. But in a one shot at the end of the mission, we want to know what happened to these strangers, right? Like, do they go their own ways and never see each other again? Do some of them partner up and leave together? Does the group remain together as a whole? Um, So, you know, leave yourself some time at the end of the mission to ask this question and let the players tell you what happens. Right. So that's a lot uh, for the GM to really make this trope shine. But uh, they're not alone in this because players have some things they can do as well. Right, Senda? Yes. So... Here's the thing, as a player, you have um, pretty strong responsibilities in this kind of situation to make it move forward and tick, right? Your job is to recognize this trope and then drive into it and get the most out of it. So that doesn't mean I'm in an inn and, okay, cool, what are you doing in the inn? Well, I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just hunched over my potatoes and I don't, I'm answering everyone with grunts. I don't want to talk to anybody. Okay. It's not going to work out super well. Anyway, so here are some tips, right? Have a simple backstory with a few easy-to-remember facts. Yeah, so everybody in the group is going to have to be learning about one another because they're all strangers, right? So no complex backstories. You're not going to have time to get them out, nor is anyone going to remember, like, yours plus, like, four other players. So... Come up with a few simple facts about your character that people can easily remember. Like, maybe you're two-gun gal, right? Like, that's the thing that you just kind of like, I got two guns. Like, I always, like, I have them on me. They're visible. I shoot with them. That kind of thing. Yeah, and the key thing about those simple facts is also, like, you can have more facts that you, like, know, but, like, in the same way that we usually talk about this, if it hasn't come up at the table, it's not true. So simple it down to the things you're going to be sharing at the table immediately, and then you can fill that stuff in. If you're playing this campaign for months or years, like, feel free to fill that stuff in. No problem. Right? Anyway, uh, the next tip is to be curious about the other characters. Right. This trope can only tolerate one lone wolf. If that. Um, (laughs) If that, right? Preferably, it tolerates no lone wolves. But... When the beats are right, you got to, as a player, do your job to get to know the other characters. Ask questions, strike up conversation, um, have banter, like those kinds of things. Yep. And then do things together. Yeah. So if this mission quest or whatever um, has opportunities for splitting up the entire party, don't ever go alone. Never. No lone wolves yep take somebody with you Mm -hmm. this is a perfect time to take your buddy that you've made yeah like hey we're gonna go down and explore the left hand hallway i'll take the thief with me perfect time to have a little banter while you're exploring yes indeed and then as a player it is also your responsibility to keep the game productive yeah because exploring and learning about the other characters is awesome but The purpose of this adventure is to do the mission quest or whatever it is. So you've got to juggle the getting to know each other part with actually doing the adventure. Yeah. Right. So you got to keep the game productive. You got to keep moving to the next encounter, pick up the next clue, figure out the next puzzle, whatever it is that keeps this game moving along. Yep. So don't be a jerk. Yeah. Don't be a jerk. Right. So (laughs) let's be clear. Like when I say productive. Right. So we're talking about, you know, again, try not to lone wolf this thing. 
No Leroy Jenkins, no chaos makers, button pushers, you know, none of those things. Like right. those things if don't you, help the adventure. If you're good, if you're playing one of those characters, you wanted to have that flavor, you can refer to our episode on Lone Wolves about how to make that work as a player at the yes. character level with all of the players on board with you. And yes. um, so, you know, just refer back to that. Uh, yep. Cool. Uh, so you also need to emotionally invest in the other characters. Yeah. So as this game progresses from the time that you were strangers when you first meet up to as you are approaching the climax of the story, you need to have built some emotional investment about one or more of these characters, right? You started as strangers, but there's an arc in this, right? So let's let's be clear. There's an arc inside this trope, which is we start as strangers, we get to know each other, we care about each other, yeah, and then we find out um, what happens to the relationship after. Yes. Right? So you need to progress through that arc, and what makes that arc enjoyable is emotionally investing in one or more of the other characters. Yep. Yeah. So think about what happens after this mission. Yeah. So you've done your emotional investment. You get through the climax. But along the way, as you're heading to the climax, start thinking about when this is over. What will my character do? And do I want to do something with one or more of the other characters? Like, like for instance... <laughs> Look at Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. This is a, you know, this is very much a you meet in a cell yep. story, right? <laughs> they had all interacted before they got thrown into prison. but They, they interacted in, as, as part of their spotlight time. Correct. But once they're in prison is mm -hmm. when the meet in the cell trope kicks off and when they form into a group and, and their mission to stop, uh, what's his face? Ronin. Ronin. Ronin the Accuser. Ronin. Correct. Okay, so anyway, the mission is to stop Ronin, right? That's what they discover, and then they go about yeah. the mission by escaping from prison. Okay. Yeah. But at the end of Guardians, they could have all gone their separate ways. Yeah. But they don't. Yep. They decide to stay together. Yes. Right? Because they've become because through the course of the movie, they have become a found family. Right. So that's what you want to start thinking about when I when we're talking about think about what happens after the mission, because even if you're playing a one shot, like we said to the GM on the GMing advice, by leaving an opening for an epilogue, you want to talk about what happens after. Yeah. And have that sense of closure that denouement. Yeah, we like denouement. Anyway, so when we start talking about what happens after the mission, our minds are inevitably drawn to what happens after the show. And in order to get to after the show, Senda will first tell us about another show in the Misdirected Mark Network. That's right. She's a Super Geek is an Emmy-nominated actual play RPG podcast highlighting women as GMs. Join me and Andy every other Tuesday for lots of different RPGs and guests. We've been trying to highlight some games you can play at a distance really easily recently. So come the, lockdown, check it out. the lockdown, the lockdown arc edition. of the show. <laughs> Say Senda. Where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? 
Uh, much like GM Gerrymander did, please leave us topics. This show pretty much runs, as you know, on topics that you provide. We are not creative enough to come up with our own topics. If left to our own devices, we will just sit around and talk about Ditch Lily trivia and game design all night, which at some point maybe you want us to do. But in the meantime, please just keep sending us topics. Um, we really like doing the topics that you find interesting and uh, turning them out into shows that we hopefully you enjoy. And talking about enjoying, if you enjoy the this show or other shows on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider, if possible, especially in these difficult times, supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Your patronage helps to keep all the lights on, bandwidth, hosting, equipment, hosts, all of those things. That money goes out to make all of this possible. So thank you for making it all possible. If you do patron the campaign, there are many things you can get the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Mr. Director Mark, access to the amazing Slack Room for Life. There are other bonuses. I will be honest, it will be a little bit until the um, lockdown clears up before we start rolling out a bunch of new bonuses and things like that. I think we are all riding on uh, a, light, a lighter set of spoons than we normally have. But uh, we do like to shower our patrons with gifts and things like that. So as things progress and get better, we will pay that forward to our patrons who have cared for us so dearly. In the meantime, we like to shout out to our patrons every week. We pick three from randomly from the list. This week, it is Mike D and Pretzel, the Inquisitor of Mark and that damn cute dog. <laughs> His loyal companion. Yes. Thanks, uh, Mike. Brett. Thanks, Brett. Brett. Just Brett. Just Brett. Uh, Are you and my Jim, Brett? <laughs> Are you my uh, it is. Brett? It is one of the Bretts. Could be one and, of the Bretts. I don't know. And uh, Jim Morrison. Thanks, Jim. Break on through, man. Break on through. Send a to continue our um, conquest of all podcasts and our marketing campaign of if you listen to us, you will love us. Conquest? Uh, <laughs> I'm on a roll here. Okay. Um, I drank a lot of coffee and ate a lot of sugar. Yeah, so you just, did. just just let it ride. Keep going. There's a thing that helps us immensely in terms of getting people to listen to us. Because again, if you listen to us, you will love us. What is the thing that helps absolute strangers find out about just who we are? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show, which is awesome. And if you let us know where it is, if you leave one, we go read them and then we're very happy and giddy inside. But there's like a lot of different places you can leave them. One thing I will mention is that Podchaser right now is doing a very cool thing where they're actually donating money to help feed people during the COVID pandemic. And I believe it's 25 cents per review you leave on a podcast. So if that is not also incentive to go review a whole bunch of podcasts on Podchaser, I don't know what is. Awesome, awesome. So, Phil, uh, show me how you are going to bring your heroes together for your icons game. Cosmic Invasion. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, hey. And waveforms have formed. Waveforms are forming. Bloop. So I bought a purse. Yeah, you did. Well. No, I mean, you, you bought a purse the same way that I bought a purse, so I think it's fair. Because I bought a Peak Design 
um, field pouch. Mm-hmm. And you uh, bought a Topo Design sling bag. Yeah. 2.5 liter, which makes it very much in the realm of purse. Purse. Um, I'm okay with this. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Since lockdown, I'm winding up carrying a whole bunch more stuff, right? A hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. mask, sometimes gloves, all that shit. Yep. Plus my normal allotment of shit, right? Keys, phones, wallet, all that shit. So it's going to get warmer eventually. There shows no signs of it, but eventually it's going to get warmer. <laughs> Someday. Right. When it does, I'm not going to be able to wear my sweatshirt with my big ass kangaroo pocket. Yep. Therefore, I will have to try to fit all those things um, into my many cargo pockets because which I, you could, I could, but it's gonna like my pants but will weigh a lot, your right? Weigh, like, your pants will weigh, weigh a lot, and you would have to do the thing where every time you came in, you would have to then like empty like five different pockets, exactly, and then like before you go out, like fill like five different pockets, exactly. So I was like, you know what? I should just get a sling bag. One because I don't have a, um, I don't have a two point, I don't have a small sling for anything. You, you didn't have something in that size range. <laughs> right. And I was just starting to research them. And then I got like an email from Topo Designs who was having a like a 25% off sale. So I got this, I got this sling for like 38 bucks, which is a oh, steal for Topo that is Designs. That a steal. Right. Yeah. And Topo's like, you know, high quality, really nice bag stuff. So anyway, I got it and I, I loaded it up and I threw it over my shoulder and like, you know, slung it over my back. And then like, I went into the car and like took it off and put it next to me and unzipped it to get something out of it. And I was like, oh, it's a purse. Like, <laughs> it's totally a purse. And for a second, like for a second, like that leftover patriarchy and coding was like, oh, and then I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm just this keeping all really my shit useful. in the sling. Bag. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> shit's useful. Like, I think when I go out, like with, um like hard pants or hard <laughs> shorts as the case may be. I will uh-huh. probably throw my iPhone and my car keys or something in my pockets yeah. and just throw the sling over my back Yes, with everything else. Um, but it's really convenient. Like I got a bunch of shit in there that like I need, but I don't have to like, there's no where in my pockets I can put like a squirty bottle of hand sanitizer. No. Like that shit's going to like, it gets like popped or squeezed or whatever. And then I'm going to have like hand sanitizer on me. Like dripping plus, down your pants. Bloop. Nice mug, by the way. Oh, thank you. That's my Yes, contigo. we talked about it last time. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Bloop. So this is week six of lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm, I pretty much got the... Um, Oh, geez, tomorrow's the beginning of my week seven, actually. Oh, yeah, because you're like a week ahead of me on this. Oof. Yeah, because my kid was sick, so right. I just stayed home, and then I never went back to work. <laughs> you were home when I was texting you, like, when are they going to send us home? Yep. Because my office was still working. I was just home with a sick child. Right. And then, like, he got better. Right. But well, then- we just never went back to work. <laughs> that was and that's it. legit. Um, so yeah, I'm on week six. Um, the work part I got down, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even stressing over the work stuff. Like it's not bad. Occasionally kids are noisy in the background. Can't do anything about it. Mm -mm. By week six, it is what it is. Right. I mean, people honestly should be more understanding than that by now. Mm -hmm. Like life is life. Hey, we, we were going to talk about cookies. Oh, oh, me? I correct. don't know. It's it's furlough day. Like, it's still weekend. I haven't even started my week yet. That's kind of... I mean, it sucks, but... It got nice know. out, and I went for a walk. Oh, it's not going to be nice here for a while. 
And then we played croquet, and I hoed the crap out of a part of the garden and um, planted some Brussels sprouts. Wow, you did like a bunch. Kind of. Not mm-hmm. really. But like more like I just like was it. like, I need to be outside. The sun is out. Oh, God. It's been so horrible. I'm the, so the depressed because s- I've been inside. Bloop. So the, the nice part is we've reached at least the point where... Um, the cold is no longer radiating off the wall of my basement. Like right, I don't my see basement is, <laughs> my basement is still colder than the house, right? Like it's yes. still chilly down well, here, and I'm in it's still going to be. I'm in sweats and a sweatshirt. It's always like even in the um, even in the even summer. In the summer, yeah, my basement's in, always cold. It's just inevitable. Right in the summer, it's actually comfortably ten degrees cooler down here, but in the yeah. winter, it's un. Andy it, likes living down there because I have a lot more heat tolerance than she does. It's much yeah. cooler down there. <laughs> so. And oh. like, you know. Yes, now it's time to start the show. Okay. <laughs> it's 12 minutes. That's oh excellent. That's that's excellent pre-show reel. Um, uh. It is now time to start the show. <laughs> Otherwise, if we go any longer, you will be very upset. So. I will be sad, anime girl. With, uh, with that aside, let's begin the show. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You didn't say it right. <laughs> Oh, I didn't say it the way you like me to say it. Okay, let's try to get ready. <laughs> Sorry. Bloop. Definitely not that. Music, please. I want to know what you were going to say for the outtakes. <laughs> Shaking his head. No. Nope. <laughs> that is the kind of thing that winds up with a delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Um. Oh, it's gone. He's in er scary. He's such man. an awful. He's, he's such so an awful, awful villain in in terms of lackluster that I can't remember. His I name know <laughs> because I will unfurl. Like, I will unfurl one thousand years of Cree justice. <laughs> right? Like I can't even remember his dumbass name right now. I don't know. But... He just murders people for fun. Uh, Bloop. Come on. Uh huh. Load the rest of it. Uh-huh. Photos cast. Uh-huh. Rocket. Bloop. I mean, if you're going to go big. Go, go big. big. I mean, it could be a cosmetic invasion. But Hello, and welcome to, to makeups. <laughs> you need to get out of here. You're going to cry when you're still length this episode. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Oh, yeah, we didn't even Show sing that part. Show me what you got. We just... Uh, uh. We uh, just didn't even, uh, I just said bye, and we didn't even do the, okay, I'm going to Yeah, well, now, now we're going to do the bye thing. Okay. All right, anyway, it was lovely bye. hanging out with all of you. Hope you enjoyed the Milano cookie talk. 